0: Unlike Thomas, who had big plans for 2020, I set out with just one. This would be the year that I cured my anxiety, once and for all. It was my only resolution. For a long time, I had been constantly living in the past, clinging to memories of when I last felt normal. So when the new year rang in, I decided that there was no better time to figure out how to live in the present. I committed to spending lots of time alone, and therapy, off social media, meditating, exercising, trying to clear my head, and weed out what was keeping me up at night all these years. I'm sure you can guess how that turned out. COVID-19. Coronavirus. Pandemic. The global pandemic. Coronavirus. COVID-19. The virus. Maybe I should have known better. I'd tried to cure my anxiety before, and if I'd succeeded the first time, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I was 19, kind of floating through my life, until one day, I hit a breaking point. One of those moments of clarity that punctuates your life into a before and an after. I had just finished my first year in college where, I wish I was kidding, I had only attended class 10 times that whole year. My parents and teachers made sure that I knew that they were really disappointed in me. But even with all the pressure, the time I spent alone was actually the worst. I had a constant hum of anxiety, kind of like the static you hear on a radio station. It was just always there below whatever music's playing. So I became the king of distraction. Anything you could think of, I'd find to fill every waking hour. Watching TV, dating, drinking, gaming, maybe doing homework once or twice, but mainly, I was partying. And on August 13th, 2011, I was doing just that. I was home for the summer, just kind of bumming around. My parents were out of town, and I had the house to myself. So, obviously, I invited some friends over. Who invited some more friends over? Until eventually the front door was just wide open, screaming, come on in! At one point, I realized I didn't recognize a single person in my own freaking house. I went to the bathroom to hide, and that's when I saw him in the mirror. Some guy staring back at me that I didn't know. I was so untethered for myself, I didn't even recognize me anymore. And that's when the constant hum of anxiety grew into a full-blown panic. This was it. I didn't want to be that guy in the mirror anymore. I made a promise to myself. I'd get my shit together. I'd stop partying and start doing the work. I'd change. And I did. I started going to class, I cut out people that were toxic, and I dedicated myself to growing into the person I wanted to become. It felt really good at first to make positive changes. But the thing about giving up all your vices is that you now have to actually deal with yourself. And that is absolutely terrifying. It's the old it-gets-worse-before-it-gets-better cliche. Even though outwardly my life was improving... Inwardly, I still had some serious work to do. On one particularly loud day, sheer desperation brought me here.
1: Imagine that rising from the core of the earth up to your feet comes a sphere of white
0: light. Listening to an anonymous British man while I took deep breaths and stared at a stock photo of a waterfall online, I thought it'd be like... It was more like... Breathe. Focus. Hey, remember that thing you said to that person that one time? Thank you for bringing that up. Not the time. In. Out. In. Out. Hey man, what do you want to order for takeout tonight? Pizza? Focus, Matt. Focus. I honor the light in me. Hey dude, you should really call your mom or... Relax and stretch. Take a deep breath. I'd missed it. Well, almost. What I did notice was just how much my mind was racing. That was the first time I'd really considered the clutter in my mind. No wonder I was so anxious all the time. That insight motivated me to come back the next day. And the next The more I meditated, the more I was tuned into my thoughts. For the first time, I felt the constant hum start to dull. It didn't go away. Meditation wasn't the magic pill or anything, but it made my life way more manageable. Until, you know, this whole COVID thing showed up. I still meditate most mornings, and it helps, but I mean, come on. You can't shut out an entire global pandemic. And I know I'm not the only one feeling it.
1: Nearly two-thirds of millennials and Gen Z respondents said they feel anxiety nearly every
0: day. The burnout generation. Higher job losses, less financial optimism. Significant levels of anxiety and depression. We're walking into an unprecedented mental health crisis that spans the globe. I mean, if you're feeling super locked in and focused, hell yeah. That's amazing. But if you're like me and just a tiny bit anxious about what's to come, I have to tell you that anxiety is just as much a part of being human as breathing, eating, sleeping, and, uh, dying. So a few weeks back when Harvard professor Arthur Brooks said this,
2: Uncertain situations will find you. I mean, you actually don't have to work very hard. But when they're there, you don't avoid them, right? You don't actually try to neutralize them. You lean into them. You express gratitude for them.
0: I think what he was really saying is right now, more than ever, we need to incorporate daily practices that ground us, that can pull us out of the anxiety spiral and back to our baseline. It's more about being able to take everything in stride, to be grateful for both the highs and the lows. Those practices, whether it's meditating, cooking a meal with family, or gardening, shake us out of our anxiety and allow us to better enjoy our lives, regardless of what's at play. And that's what we're going to work towards today. From Headspace Studios, I'm Matt Daher. I'm Mark Candillo. And I'm Thomas Bragg. And this is the Yes Theory Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. You
3: decided to upgrade your outdoor deck. So you ordered the essentials, a power washer, a set of patio chairs, and a shiny new grill. And you used your Bank of America cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping or up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member which you put towards the cost of your most essential deck edition, a bird feeder. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2020 Bank of America Corporation.
0: One day the phone will ring and you'll learn that there's been an accident, a diagnosis, a divorce, a layoff, a pandemic. The distractions you've been hiding behind will all fall away And you'll be forced to reckon with the reality you've been putting off. Not being able to sleep, losing your temper, checking your phone incessantly, feeling a little on edge or completely unable to focus is not normal. What is normal is anxiety. It's a totally natural consequence of being alive. It's a given. Once we accept that, rather than try to fight it, we can identify the practices that help us best manage whatever we're feeling. The bad news is that there won't be one cure-all that snaps you back to your former self. The good news is that, by using these tools, you can save yourself from spiraling further. But the goal is not to just stop spiraling. It's actually to use whatever's happening in this moment, no matter how heartbreaking or stressful, as a catapult towards becoming a better version of yourself in the future. And feeling, not fighting the anxiety, is the first step towards that end. Which requires, as you probably guessed, that you stop doing for a few minutes and start being. Making space to be with ourselves fully, minds, hearts, and bodies, has been an ongoing conversation between Thomas Amar and I. For Thomas and me, our daily meditation practice has worked wonders, and Amar has trained himself to find peace and stillness in absolute chaos. We wanted to better understand both sides of staving off anxiety. Ways to experience calm while sitting still and while we're out living our lives. After all, you don't know when anxiety will sneak up on you. Luckily, Thomas knew just the guy to call. Andy Pudicombe, former monk and co-founder of the meditation app Headspace. Needless to say, Thomas was pretty stoked to meet him.
2: So, I mean, this is pretty surreal for me, just hearing your voice in real life. I'm sure that happens to you a lot now um Quite of up. just people <laughs> <laughs> telling you this but oh yeah. you're the
1: guy yeah i, I have a yeah. body yeah, you, yeah. You, you, not, not a just the voice yeah
0: <laughs> thomas and i were able to cultivate calm from sitting and breathing but tomorrow i experience
3: stillness when i'm doing an ice yeah. bath whatever it is that i ha- that i that i'm going through has to be so loud and clear for yeah. my mind to just be in it because what happens to me when i sit and meditate is i hear the voice so much louder than usual and that like it's supposed to relieve me, but I, I end up just being spooked after. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we'll chat about that because I, I suspect I've got
2: some tips that might help. Do you think that is the same thing, experiencing it in, in sport or
1: in ice baths versus, you know, through meditation? What you describe is is actually is a really important thing. That we all have this quality of mindfulness. It's probably good if we just unpack uh, yep. mindfulness as well. Absolutely. So, mindfulness is being present, not distracted, with an open, curious, and kind mind. That's, that was the way it was taught to me. And we can do that in any area of our life. It might be skydiving. It might be sitting down with our eyes closed doing something called meditation. Might be eating, might be walking down a road, might be listening to music, might be playing with a friend. We all, so many different kind of ways of experiencing that feeling of being present. But for most people, it's really hard to learn that and to experience it again and again throughout the day. So, we have meditation, which is the skill where we take ourselves away from the busyness of everyday life and we actually familiarize ourselves with what it means to be present. The more familiar we get with that feeling of being present, the more we can then carry that back into the rest of our life and be more mindful in our everyday life. Here's the challenge, though, right? So, if, if you said to me, kind of, okay, so I feel really calm and I find peace when I jump out of a plane, that's awesome. Okay there's a certain level of dependency there. And so let's say you're in, I don't know, in a really difficult conversation with somebody, like, you know, a partner or something like that. And you're feeling really stressed and you don't know how to kind of deal with it. If you say to that person, okay, look, I'm gonna come back to this conversation. I just need to go and jump out of a plane (laughs) Um, because that's where I find my peace of mind. And then I will come back and we can continue this conversation.
0: It's gonna be tricky. That's actually what Amar did. He wouldn't leave to go skydiving mid-conversation necessarily, but a few weeks ago, in the middle of the pandemic, he did commit to performing the biggest stunt he'd ever set out to accomplish. Amar wanted to execute a halo jump, which you may have seen Tom Cruise pull off in Mission Impossible 6. At 30,000 feet, a halo jump starts at twice the altitude of your typical jump and results in two whole minutes of free fall which is some expert level shit. So, in order for Amar to even qualify to try the Halo, he had to do some pretty vigorous training. 50 total jumps, completed in a string of consecutive days.
3: This is the fourth day in a row of me going out to skydive. It's, it's been very intense to just be reflecting on life that much and be reflecting on death. And...
0: Pre-pandemic, Amar was busy, to say the least. He has a lot of passions and dreams, which inevitably leads to a lot of commitments. All good things, but not much time to think. When the pandemic finally forced his hand, he realized he was feeling less and less like himself. So he decided to go skydiving, where he taps into a flow state. If you've ever noticed that your mind quiets while you're running or washing dishes, or any sort of task that you can focus and feel present in a moment, this is what Andy called mindfulness. Which totally makes sense why Mar loves skydiving. You can feel fully present and fully alive. We all have the capacity to feel like this, no matter what we're doing. It's
1: not something that you necessarily have to kind of learn. It's more of something you have to cultivate. So it shows up in your life in those situations. That just tells you that you have it. So you know it's there, it's in your mind somewhere. It's just how do you get it to show up more often? And when it does show up, how do you get it to last a bit longer? And even just having had those experiences and and knowing what that feels like is really important. There are ways of bringing that into meditation and into the rest of your life so that it kind of feels like one continuous joined up
0: thread. Amar was chasing the high of living in the moment and bringing that clarity back to the rest of his pandemic life.
3: This is the fourth day in a row of me going out to skydive.
0: By day four, packing his parachute over and over, taking off to the sky and dropping down, just to hit that milestone, was starting to catch up to Omar. That morning, he didn't really want to go jump. But he'd made a commitment. So he forged ahead and went to the jump site. When he got there...
3: I walk onto the drop zone. And after having put my parachute on and ready to get on the plane, and everybody gasps. I just arrived to the drop zone, just got my parachute on, and someone just crashed the landing. I saw it, like, straight ahead. Oh, the ambulance just got here. Within five minutes, there is an ambulance, there is a cop car, there's firemen just out there. And it's pretty scary, and I've seen I've seen that happen before. And I've seen it happen before and got on planes and just continued jumping. because.
0: When we do something that's uncomfortable, Thomas, Amar, and I try to shake the voices that tell us to go home. We quiet the anxiety and fear and forge ahead because we know that's where growth happens. So when Amar's voice told him to stay home that morning, he ignored it. But when he saw the crash, he heard it again. But this time, he listened. Go home, Amar. Instead of going up in the plane, he got in his car, and while he was driving home... So the first thing
3: I experienced is the sound of, like, basically getting hit on my back tire... My car spun. My car is drifting towards one of the light poles. And in that moment, I'm like, this is too much force. And I'm about to go into that pole. It hit the front of the car. And then from there, that just ended up rolling me. And I went into aggressive rolls maybe six, seven, eight times. That's when everything slowed down. I saw every single roll because my airbag on the steering wheel never went off. So I just could see me turning with everything and I, it was, it was like so loud, but I just remember how calm it all was. Like in the middle of all this chaos and literally glass from all directions, just flying at me. It was just such a calm state of being.
0: Amar has quite literally trained himself to find moments of stillness within absolute chaos. But, despite his ability to stay calm while the car was rolling, this time was different. Maybe it was because he didn't plan it, or maybe it was just that he cheated death twice that day. Either way, this moment will forever demarcate his life into a before and after. In the days that followed the accident, Amar felt like he was sailing on air, he'd tapped into a clarity that brought him closer to the free child that he'd always aspired to be but as time went on and that feeling wore off he had to process the trauma and fear that bubbled to the surface
3: okay i just had a like a life changing event it doesn't feel like i've fully taken in the message that i that i need to get out of this and figure out my integration plan that aligns with this new vision and new way of seeing life and, and connecting with myself everything seems to be in question in my mind right now and it's bringing up a lot
0: of emotions Amar doesn't meditate but he'd always been able to find calm through healthy mindfulness practice through extreme sports but still it worked for him until now he'd experienced extreme trauma so jumping out of a plane or into ice water or anything else extreme just brought those emotions back up instead of calming him? How do you create space in your mind and sit with your thoughts when the only way you knew how is suddenly out of reach? Amara is talking to Andy about that just after the break. This podcast is brought to you by Headspace Studios. Headspace has thousands of hours of meditation content. The best tool you have is your mind. So take care of it. At Yes Theory, we know better than anyone that growth comes out of discomfort. So when Andy said it,
1: Most of our growth comes from the difficult times in life. So rather than shy away from them, lean into them, get comfortable with them, make friends with them, and over
0: time, our life changes. We fully agreed. And we'd usually push them hard to get back on that horse, so to speak. I'd experienced my own trauma backflipping as a kid. So earlier this year, I tried really hard to overcome that fear and nail it. Amar held my hand every step of the way. So if Amar was afraid of skydiving, we'd make him skydive. But this time was different. He needed a new tool to manage his anxiety. I'm 25 and I'm willing more than any other time
3: in my life to go deeper in in the dark places that I feared my whole life, to actually be able to find myself and to just approach life with an open, kind mind that is curious. I don't want to kind of just go through my 20s without actually having stepped yeah. into my power and, you know, realize that I'm I'm not the voice. I'm just the one listening and I can just listen and let it pass. And now I'm just trying to bridge the gap with different habits that will hopefully yeah. get me there.
0: I think you know what Andy suggested Amara might try. Meditation is, is opening the mind. But for good reason. Amar already was very mindful, so it wasn't a huge stretch to suggest meditation.
1: It's kind of letting go of what we think we know letting go of security letting go of certainty and seeing kind of what's in front of us
0: which can mean literally seeing what's in front of you that may mean you sit down and say i'm sitting down i'm in my room or my living room or wherever you like to be i am breathing i'm quiet i am alive or whatever's happening for you in that exact moment does that make it easier to sit down and do it every day hell no
1: some days you're gonna wake up and you're gonna think, oh, I'm gonna meditate. Great, sit down and meditate. Other days, you're gonna wake up and think, I really don't wanna meditate. Great, sit down and meditate. So the thought, we wanna do it? Okay, you see it, let it go, do it anyway. Thought we don't wanna do it? Okay, you see it, let it go and do it anyway. And and that's kind of, in a way, like that is the, that's the essence of meditation right there. Kind of not buying into the thought. And look, we all see it in exercise all the time, right? like we wake up in the morning. It's like, you know, let's say it's a morning run. The thought could arise in our mind, I don't know if I want to go out for a run. So we have a choice in that moment. If we're aware, we see the thought clearly, and we go, huh, it's a thought, and then we go running anyway. Or we lie in bed and we think, yeah, actually, yeah, because I went for a run like a couple of days ago anyway it's probably not good for me to run too much and you know i should be kind to myself i probably need more rest i need more sleep okay i'll turn back over and go you know and so it's really easy to kind of buy into the the thinking and the mind always wants to do kind of less like of course you know um that's just how how we are as humans so it's yeah i feel like that is a really interesting kind of moment when once it's built into your schedule starting to watch how many days a week does your mind go, oh, actually, this would be a nice thing to do. And how many days a week does it go, hmm, actually, I don't really fancy it. It doesn't matter. We still do it anyway, but just starting to notice the tendencies.
0: As someone who's meditated for nine years now, I can say that there are days where I still don't want to meditate. But I've also reached the point in managing my anxiety where that's okay. Remember that there's no silver bullet. What you're after is a combination of habits that quiet the hum. The only way that you're going to figure out what works best for you is to experiment. Try practicing gratitude, journaling, stretching, expressing yourself creatively, or even seeing a therapist. Everyone has their own reason for why they explore the practices that they do. In the case of using Headspace, Andy said all the users who show up on the app tend to have...
1: Three different approaches. One is vitamin type if you think about it from an exercise point of view they're probably the people who are going to the gym or getting some exercise three or four times a week they're not really doing it just in the new year Um, they're doing it throughout the year and they see it as something that they're going to do for the rest of their life it's more like a preventative kind of approach so they're building up a resilience they want to feel happier they want to feel kind of more resilient in their life and then there's another group and by the way i'm separating out into groups that it might sound like there is a judgment here there's there's no judgment these are just three different approaches the second one is the aspirin user so someone who goes and gets really stressed and until they get to a point it's like oh my god i don't know what to do with my mind i'm gonna okay i'll do some meditation because nothing else is going to help they do some meditation they feel better and then they think huh I I don't need to do any meditation anymore. (laughs) Amazing. I can give up. So that's more like the aspirin kind of type. And then there's, yeah, big life events. So we we see people who might go for months and months without any use at all. And then something happens in their life. Maybe they become a parent. Maybe they lose a parent. You know, maybe something kind of is a promotion at work or a demotion at work. Maybe they lose a job. And we'll see then kind of really sort of strong engagement for sort of a, a number of months. And they use it in that way. Obviously, I have a favorite out of those three, um, and I'm a little bit biased just because I've seen the value, like personally, and I've seen it kind of in, in other people as well. But, you know, it's up to each individual to to find what their, their way into it is.
0: Yes Theory checks off all three of these boxes. At least I hope we will one day. Thomas is the vitamin type. I kind of woke up one morning and I had a realization
2: that... Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last day I woke up not anxious. We all lived and worked in the same space for several years and um I'd go to bed really late editing, I'd wake up to like people brainstorming in the living room. I'd yeah. go out, I'd jump into a meeting while I'm like waking up and then I'd go into onto the computer to edit yeah. and it was just like this perpetual cycle and yeah. it, there was like a few months there for me of like searching for ways to feel better and I yeah. started with exercise and reconnecting with that part of myself and and then eventually I had a friend who actually um bought me a years-long membership to help. Uh, is that right?
0: I was definitely the aspirin user at the beginning, and a Mars' accident put him squarely in the big life event category. Now he's searching for his vitamin practices to help him find clarity throughout the rest of his life.
3: I feel resistant to meditation when I need it the most.
0: Which is really common, by the way. When we're feeling the most anxious, when we need something to help us calm down the most, that's when we're the least likely to actually seek those practices out. It's like when you know you're so angry and a walk would totally help you and then you continue to sulk and stew on the couch instead of actually taking that walk.
1: You know, if you think about how that feels. So let's say it's play out a scenario. So you're feeling really anxious, really stressed or really angry or irritable or something like that. So if you had a really close friend who is feeling really stressed, really irritable, and really angry, maybe even with you, Like, would you necessarily want to sit down with them for 10 minutes? Probably not, right? So if you think about uh, the last thing we want to do with ourselves is sit with ourselves when we feel angry, and when we feel irritable, and when we feel anxious. So it's almost counterintuitive at first. It's like we, we know that we need it, but we don't want to do it which is why I always say it's better to kind of develop a practice kind of regularly and sort over time, even when we're not stressed, because then you, it's not such a challenge to kind of learn. But when you are feeling stressed, you'll have it as a coping mechanism or as a way of better understanding the mind. So you kind of need to kind of like ease into that a little bit on days when you are feeling really stressed. It's more about just acknowledging that and owning that. Okay, I've I feel really stressed today. This probably isn't going to be the most comfortable meditation session,
0: but that's okay. Andy even said there are times when the practices that can calm our minds can actually make us more anxious.
1: Meditation is not about trying to feel more relaxed. Meditation is about understanding the mind, becoming more at ease with the mind. And if you go into it with that approach, everything changes. Because then you're not trying to control your thoughts. You're not trying to stop thoughts. You're not trying to change your emotions. You're just watching your mind. You're just present with the mind, without any commentary, without any judgment. To begin with, there'll be some of that. But over time, you can kind of let go of that. And then I think it really kind of changes. Then it's just, each day we're just showing up, checking in with the mind, checking in with the body. And it becomes really, really valuable over time. We start to understand our own mind. So it's more about acceptance. Acceptance is often seen as kind of going with the flow. If we simply went with the flow, we would simply be doing what we have always done. I just go with the flow, I feel anxious. Okay, I'm gonna get anxious about feeling anxious. I'm gonna get angry about feeling angry. So it is an acceptance of things as they are, but there is a choice. And I think mindfulness is is like the doorway to that choice. So let's say an anxious thought arises. So we can get very excited about it and kind of run away with it. We can get very resistant towards it and fight it. Or we can choose to just let it be present for as long as it wants to be present and then let it go again. So there's kind of that, That's for me, that's acceptance. So it, it's having clarity of mind to be able to see what is present, not getting overexcited about it, not resisting it, but just kind of being present with it as it is.
0: And just like being consistent with anything takes practice, being present in our own lives is actually one of the hardest things to do. How do
1: we create enough points throughout the day so that it starts to feel like a stable thing in our life? So meditation could be one thing. That's like a big dot at the start of the day. And it really kind of cements that, that feeling, the familiarity. And then maybe, maybe it's brushing our teeth is the next moment. And you consciously put in the intention to be mindful and present as you're brushing your teeth. Maybe the next moment is walking to work. Maybe the next moment is when you, you turn on your laptop and you're waiting 30 seconds for it to fire up. Maybe the next moment is a lunchtime where before diving into your food, whilst checking your emails, whilst watching something on TV, whilst reading something and trying to do 20 things, at you actually just pause for 30 seconds and taste the food. So by creating those moments throughout the day, then we have what you could call sort of stability of mindfulness or stability of awareness. And that I think is, that's the magic. Like when you, when you start to see it kind of throughout every, every moment of the day.
0: So just take a moment right now and think about the last time you were fully present. Like really, are you listening to this while you're doing something else? Do you remember getting out of bed? Or did you immediately pick up your phone and float through your morning? If you are, that's fine. The first step is noticing. And knowing that no matter what you do, exercise, journaling, going for a walk, creating those moments of mindfulness, you will not stop your thoughts. The brain was designed to think. It's going to think. I know people who've meditated
1: for years and
0: years and years and
1: still get frustrated that thoughts arise in their mind. I know people who apply lots of effort. And I know people who are still looking for something in their meditation, whether it's something massive like enlightenment or something kind of smaller like, I don't know, less anxiety. If you go into meditation thinking it's about stopping thoughts, screwed, it's over.
0: I started meditating to manage my anxiety and I still have moments when my thoughts race, but in the early days of my practice, it would make me frustrated, which would make me even more anxious.
2: I used to get extremely anxious about being anxious, and I was so scared of being Definitely anxious. anxious yeah. yeah. But my perspective, I feel like, broadened, and uh, I won't judge my anxiety as, as much anymore. Yeah. Like, if I do get anxious about something, I'll try and, like, step away from it and look at it and think, okay, is this justified? And if it is, like, something challenging that we're dealing with, either, yeah. you know, business-wise or creatively or whatever, I'll be like, oh, well, it's, it's just a part of what's happening, and it's one of the many emotions that I experience. And so it's okay. I don't need to let this escalate or, yeah. or, or be aggravated about the feeling. And um, I think just taking steps in that direction has, has um, helped a lot. And it's also just kind of set me on a path of pursuit for self-development and just yeah. wanting to, to get better. Um, and in the process, I've developed like the practice of gratitude, and uh, these little things that are so easy, so quick yeah. to take for granted, um, I try to be more mindful of. Yeah. And because uh, I feel like humans can adapt to anything. You know, you can have yeah everything you ever desired and still be extremely unhappy. And I just realized that whatever I add to my life on the external isn't actually going to get me there. It is yeah. this work of finding inner peace that is actually going to, be the long-lasting happiness.
1: If we're living our life with an open, interested, curious mind, I mean, that is such a powerful thing. Otherwise, if we think we know everything, if we think we've got all the answers, if we think we've got it down, we are living life in a tiny, tiny little box. It's a box of certainty, it's complete delusion, but it's a box of kind of certainty in our mind. Let go of that, and all of a sudden, it's limitless.
0: Newsflash. Life is pretty freaking hard. And right now, it kind of feels like everything's falling apart. The low hum of anxiety I've felt all my life is now everywhere. Like we're all tuned into the same staticky radio station. Everyone's a little more on edge. A little more down than normal. While this year has been harder on some more than others, it's pretty clear that every single one of us is battling something invisible we're all on the quest to find some kind of certainty and meaning and happiness on this rotating rock in the middle of a massive universe. So, I don't know. I think we should probably be a little easier on ourselves. We should probably give each other a little bit of slack. I mean, we're all learning to live for the very first time. And somewhere along the way, we've all been fooled into believing it's selfish to look out for ourselves. But like Ben Nempton told us earlier this season, it's not. I'll spare you an oxygen mask analogy, but in case you needed to hear it, you are worth taking care of, and the best person to do that is you. Really, the only person who can do that is you. And if you don't step up to do it, who will? At Yes Theory, we're often in the thick of seeking discomfort through extreme pursuits. But our philosophy is just as much about going out into the world and doing, as it is learning to just be... Waking up earlier to meditate, setting aside vices, and building better boundaries to recognize what helps us and what doesn't. This is the work that must be done, the one that we're most likely to avoid. If you want to try meditation, great. If you want to try skydiving, great. But find something you love that actually lets your mind rest, and stick with it. It can feel pointless and difficult to stick with any habit at first especially one that doesn't show some kind of external progress, like bulging biceps. But it's important to remember that our minds are often most resistant to what would help us most. Andy said it himself. The mind will eventually seek comfort, predictability, reliability, and refuge. You're going to try and retreat to distraction. These tools and habits aren't meant to make your life more difficult. They're meant to help scrape out all the meaninglessness, the darkness too. They're meant to help us actually stop and look around, to actually live your life instead of watching it play out for someone else on a screen. Don't wait for the moment of reckoning or the card of flip to remember, this is the only life you have to live. At the end of every single day, it's just you looking you in the mirror. If you don't like the person staring back at you, well, then I hope you now know where to begin. So that brings us to this week's challenge. Take it away, Andy.
1: Choose one activity that you do every day. It could be brushing your teeth. It could be drinking your morning cup of coffee or tea, juice. Um, it could be, um, again, sitting at your computer waiting for it to fire up. It could be when you first get into your car before you actually turn on the ignition. But find something that you do on a daily basis and just commit to being present. What does that mean? Well, if you're drinking a cup of coffee, as you put your hand on the cup, feeling the warmth of the cup. As you smell the coffee, actually smelling it, not thinking about it, but smelling it. As you taste it, being present with the taste rather than distracting yourself with other things.
0: Share your mindfulness habit with us on Instagram by tagging at Yes Theory and using the hashtag Yes Challenge. I'm your host for this episode, Matt Daher, but I would not be here without my friends, Thomas Bragg, and Amar Kandil. This episode was produced by Joy Folks and Juliette Luini. It was edited by Joey Fishground, Dan Kroll sound designed and mixed it right up. The Yes theory Podcast is produced by Kate Ward for One Day Entertainment. The executive producers are Leah Sutherland, Morgan Seltzer, and Sam Rogaway from Headspace Studios.